Last week, we, of course, we're in James, and we told you we're teaching through James, the epistle, and we said also that um, that we're going to take it slow, and we're going to just see what God has for us. We talked about everything, uh, really, how, how to uh, avoid falling into sin, and we talked about uh, several things, and you can outline this on your your program there, uh, you can look at it, and let's go from there into verses 16 and 18 today. Now the ground, the groundwork for 16 and 18, of course, was in 13 through 15 that we talked last week, and we talked about uh, that really tempting us for evil, to do evil, is not from God, and we are drawn away and enticed when we, uh, when we realize ourselves, when we haven't gotten things out of us, and our lust really draws us away, but it's not God. That's just the stage. So we said, in order to do that, you know, uh, you have to, you have to really uh, start praying, have other people pray for you. You have to also uh, to be strong in the Lord. That was the fourth one we went over. Uh, we said that you have to start adding to your. Uh, be diligent add to your faith, virtue, uh, add uh, godliness to it, add uh, brotherly kindness, add uh, love, add God, all those type of things that it says in, in, in Second Peter. We, we went over that. And we say you must be also um, get those things out of you that, that uh, the devil could have a foothold. And because we all have, have a past and we all sometimes are, are weak in certain areas and the enemy has been working with us ever since we were little. So he has things that he tries to uh, bring back up and see whether the door has been closed. So we have, to be, we have to be pressing into God to close doors that should not be open. We can't just assume that just because we're a Christian that we, um, we don't have an enemy, uh, we don't have a flesh, we don't have a world system. That would be not it. We do have um, those things that are against us. So let's go into today, let's go into verses 16 through 18, and we'll probably end up at verse 20 today. James makes this clear when he says in verse 16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So he makes it clear here, cease from blaming God for our problems. God is not the author of our problems. He's not the author of our tempting us to evil. So I want you to cease, he says, cease really blaming God. He's not in it. And a lot of people do blame God sometimes, especially when adversity comes uh, that that um, they don't think should come to them, they start blaming God. They say, why, God, did you allow this to happen? They, they do this Job thing, you know? And that's not, that's not really what God wants us to do because uh, we already know the outcome of Job, that God didn't answer Job. Uh, God just, you know, told him who he was. And when you start, uh, you know, looking at the awesomeness of God, his creation, all the things he's done, you know, who could put a body together like your body or my body, you know, out of just, you know, my, my goodness gracious, just just a, a, my mother and father coming together. Can you picture just all that, that, that you are, all the, the, the complexities, you know, that we are as human beings, and this God did it. And when he put it into motion, he put it into motion way back in Genesis. He put it into motion. So God is, is awesome, and he, everything that you see, God put into existence. And regardless of whether it rains or not, we know it's not going to destroy the earth because we know what God said. So all these things, God is awesome. So we're not going to blame God for uh, our situations. Rather than being a temptation to evil, God is the source of everything good. That's what it, everything is good. And some, some, you know, you say, well, he's, he's, he's the author of everything good to Christians. No, he's the author of everything that's good. There's no good, good for anybody can do that's not God. We were living 
when we were un, uh, uh, not yet saved, uh, only by the grace and mercy of God. And we're here today only by the mercy and grace of God. A good gift seems to, when it says every good gift, it seems to be talking about uh, the manner in which God gives. Uh, and God gives abundantly. Uh, he, he doesn't hold back when he gives. He gives abundantly. And it said that uh, earlier in James. Uh, you just have to ask him. And he doesn't, uh, uh, you know, uh, start you know, saying, no, I'm not going to give this to you because you didn't do this right here. No, he gives it to you when you're asked. When you're asking uh, according to his will, he will give it to you. So we, we, we know those type of things. Perfect gift. Perfect gift is, is when it says perfect, it means complete. It's complete gifts. It's lacking nothing. Nothing is missing when God gives a perfect gift. Nothing is miss, missing. So we can, we can know that when we're talking about God. Now, God is not going to change either. He's not going to change his mind about really what he said. What he said, he's going to do. If he says that I'm not the author of anything evil, he's not going to change his mind. Just because uh, we don't do what he asks us to do, just because we don't act like he wants us to act, just because, you know, uh, he's in a... Uh, he doesn't get in a bad mood, you know. And see, it's not like human beings, is it? See, we, we will love somebody today, but next year we can't stand them. You know, because we are humans and, and we don't understand that God does, God's not like that. And see, our love and our desire and our uh, really wanting to be around a person usually is based on what they do to us or for us. And when they do anything bad or, or say anything bad uh, and, and don't really meet our needs, then what we do then is we don't have any use for them anymore. That's not of God. God doesn't treat you like that. He doesn't treat me like that. He doesn't treat the, the uh, not yet saved like that. But we do. And that's not good, is it? God's not going to change his mind. When he says that, that you're mine, I have, I have rebirthed you, that you're, no one can take you out of my hands. That means that you can go to the bank on it. The bank is never going to be broke, regardless of the world system. It's not going to be broke. He's going to uphold what he says. That's good news to me. That's good, that's good news because uh, I'm not yet what I should be. But I know that God is not holding something against me because of that and say, well, I'm going to change my mind about you. From now on, you know, you can forget it. You are headed for the, uh, you know, fire and brimstone with, with, with Satan and the beast, you know, because I just, you just perturb me. I mean, you just irritate me. See, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. God never changes what he says he's going to do. Is that good news? That's good news. That's good news. Now, it says here that the, come, he says that every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So now, the picture is like the sun, it shines, and so right now, at 11 o'clock in the morning, the shadow can be one place. Three o'clock is another place. It changes. God is not like that. So it gives us a word picture of that. Let's go to verse 18. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. By the word of truth. Now, Let's look at that just a little bit. He brought us forth. Now, when it says he brought us forth, oh, I'm so excited that it's not you that brought us forth. It's not you that brought your children forth. It's God that brought them forth. If they are saved, it's only because of God. It's not because of you. You're saved only because of God. It's not because of you. That is 
good news to me. Because some people think that we have a choice in this thing that's above God's will and his choice. That we can choose. And we can decide on our future apart from God. We do have a will. We do have choices to make. But they are under God's will, under God's choice. It's like an umbrella. God's will and God's choice, choices, they are the umbrella. And our will, our choices are under that umbrella. You can't make any will, any choice that's going to go against God's will, that overall arcing will of God, choice of God. You can't do it. Otherwise, we'll do a lot of mean things. I mean, people will do a lot of mean things if they could do that. They can't do that. What God says, he meant. He says that the, it, it will never, uh, the, 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 the earth is here and it's going to stay here until he changes it. He left it up to man, he'll change it. You know? God says, no, it's not going to change, so I'll change it. It's going to be a new heaven. It's going to be a new earth. But it's only going to be at his will when he chooses. Jesus came for when God, the Father, decided, not when we decided. He was crucified when Jesus, Jesus, uh, when, when Jesus uh, was 33, uh, God says it's time. It was now timing. It's his timing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and you hold your place in James because so we'll go back and forth uh, in that. And a lot of times I'll read from a uh, verse or two from other books of the Bible. And if you're real quick, with your sword, you can find it. If you're not, you're gonna, you're gonna be turning. I'm just telling that. You're gonna be turning. I'm gonna be finishing it into another one, okay? So you gotta be swift with your sword if you're gonna be following, <laughs> following, okay? Cause I'm not gonna give you a whole lot of time, okay? Okay, now, no, it's on, it's, it's behind Hebrews, okay? Are you there yet? I'm not gonna do all that, okay? Cause I have it on the screen, but I want you to be skillful in your, with your sword. But I want you to be quick. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses three and four. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That's what it says. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now, that means that an unbeliever cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ unless the veil is removed. That unbeliever cannot choose to say, today the veil is going to be removed, I'm going to make a decision. And you need to know that because you can't Wait and say, you know what? I know when I'm going to give in to God. I know when I'm going to uh, just start living and moving and flowing with the things of God. I'm going to do it probably when I'm probably about 56, 57, 56, 57, somewhere like that. When, when I'm still got a little, little bit of, you know, uh, strength in me, but I'm on my way on the other side, down here, you know. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to do this thing while I'm climbing this hill, see? Because while I'm climbing this hill, I want to have some fun. And I can do it anytime I want to because I have a choice. No, today is a day of salvation and you don't want to miss your time. Because we know that our conscience can be seared. We know that our heart can be hardened. We know that you just can't choose. You see? So don't think that you're going to just decide. And so when, when you're evangelizing, don't get upset because someone doesn't accept Jesus Christ right now when you give them the gospel, when you talk to them about the good news. Because if God hasn't uh, opened the eyes, if the Holy Spirit hasn't regenerated, then uh, all you did is sow some seeds or watered. It's okay. It takes all of that because God's going to give it an increase when he wants to. 
some people get mad with, with their relatives and everything because they won't accept Christ. And they'll say, well, you know, at least I had sense enough to accept Christ. I, I chose him. My old brother, my sister, you know, my aunt, uh, she, she, she doesn't have sense enough to choose Christ. No, you didn't have sense enough either. None of us did, you know. Not if the scripture is true. None of us did. You know, our eyes were blinded. You know, by the God of this world. So therefore, uh, it was God. You know, all good gifts, perfect gifts, they're from above. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 16, says that you did not choose me, but I chose you. That's what the scripture says. And appointed you that you would go forth and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now that's uh, in chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. And of course, we know that uh, it's just repeating what is already said in verse 7 of uh, the Gospel of John, which told us that if we abide in him and his words abide in us, we can ask whatever we will. And it will be done for us. So it's just saying it in a different way here. But we didn't choose him. He chose us. That's good news. That's good news. That means it's hopeful for the one who you think that will never choose Christ. There's hope for him because it's not up to him. <laughs> it's not up to her. You know? When God is ready, the eyes open, he'll give him saving faith. And oh my goodness gracious. You know, you wonder whatever happened, you know. Some people that, that, uh, that knew in school, and I'm sure knew me, can't believe, you know, and I couldn't believe it. He is a what? You know? Some of the kids I, 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 I coached, now they're Christians, you know. And, and they, they were just, you know, I said, my goodness gracious, Lord, no hope for them, you know. There's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So don't give up. Don't give up when somebody not doing what they should do, not saying what, like they should say it, or, or not uh, living like they should live. Don't, don't worry about it. You just live the way God told you to live. You say what God tells you to say, and you'll be a witness. And then when God opens their eyes, they'll say, I thank God for uh, this sister here that was in my workplace or uh, this person over here because I knew it was something different. Uh, but I just didn't know what it was. But not now I know why they were like they were. It's good news. It says by the word of truth here in verse 18. He brought us forth not by our will, but of course by his will. By the word of truth. Oh, my goodness. The word of truth. Uh, we, can, we can camp out here for, for, you know, months on the word of truth. We're regenerated by the word of truth, aren't we? Yes, we are. Look at First Peter, chapter one, verse twenty-three. It says, "For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God." Oh, that's good news. That's good news. The word, we have to have the word. And so those who don't like the word know that if a person is going to get born again, that regeneration is going to take place partially because of the enduring word of God. Give people the word. Now we know that the Holy Spirit, of course, is in regeneration also. It says that in another place in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, He saved us not on the basis of the deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. So we know that the Holy Spirit is involved also. It says also in verse 18, so that we would be a kind of First fruits among his creatures. So if we're going to unpack that, first fruits uh, tells you a lot of different things. 
And here it could tell you a lot of different things also. When you think of first fruit, you must know that there, there must be some what? Some, some more coming. If they say, this is a first, there's got to be something else coming. Okay? So the people who give God, and we know that that's an Old Testament thing. If you give God um, first fruit, you're, you, you're saying, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. Because I plant this garden. You kept the rabbits out. You kept the deer out. You know, the bugs didn't eat it. God, I'm giving this first, first fruits back to you because I know I have an abundant harvest coming. And that's why we give first fruits. That's why you don't want to wait and give God the last fruits. You know, because it's not, it's, it's out of order. See, when you understand the Old Testament, it helps you to walk, uh, in a more healthy way, in a more, uh, righteous way in the New Testament because you, you, what would it look like that you give some last fruits after, after all your crop has come in and you have a little bit left over, you say, I'm gonna give this to God in gratitude. If you knew that it's only because of God, He's gonna cause this other fruit to come forth. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. Because just because the bugs didn't eat the first, doesn't mean that he did not eat the rest. You know? I'm serious. I'm serious. We have a, um, a plant, planted, a Minerva planted a plant, and um, the deer came and ate part of the plant up. And so we said, my goodness gracious, this is terrible. But she said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to keep putting garlic on this, on, this, on this thing so he won't come eat the rest, you know? Because I don't think deer like garlic. That's what somebody told us anyway, so she's like a garlic powder on uh, is it God a power, babe? Okay, on on other thing. But just because the first is good, don't think that the rest won't be eaten. You know, you know, by the, by the enemy. He says that he says that we give uh, in the Old Testament. He told them that 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 you know uh, don't rob them and tithe and offer because. Um, he opened the windows of heaven for our blessing won't have room enough to receive. He said he will rebuke the devour for say He said he won't devour the fruits of your ground, nor will you, the fruit of your vine cast its fruit before its time. So I don't want to keep the first fruit, and God won't protect the rest of my fruit. I want to give him the first, and then I said, God, I've given you the first, I've given you the best, I've given to you abundantly. Now, God, you say it in your word, and that's how I do it. You see? I don't do it at the end. That's why I pray in the morning, and I pray at night, but I pray in the morning particularly because I don't want to come, I don't want to come here um, in my bed and pray at night and say, well, you know, now that God that you've given me the whole day, I want to thank you. I don't want to take anything for granted. I want to get up in the morning and say, God, I praise you and thank you for keeping me through the night. God, I have, you know, this whole day to go through. Protect me. Protect the family. And do I want to pray in the mornings because I know that an enemy comes at noonday. I know, I can read Psalm 91. I know what the enemy comes. He comes all the time. And, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna just wait till, till nighttime. Uh-uh. He's gonna come anytime at an opportune time. And I don't want no opportune time for him. First fruits are very important. Now the readers also, this could mean that the readers during this time, of course, we talk, talked about that day, they were Christian Jews. Well, when there's a timeline when James was written, uh, that was written before Paul's first missionary journey. So that means that uh, you don't have Paul bringing in, you know, the Gentiles through, you know, the Corinthians church and the uh, the church at the Galatians and, and all, all, all those to Titus, all that, all that wasn't written, see? So, so another way we can look at this is he's talking to them. He says that, that, that we are, of course he's, he's Jewish too. We are a kind of what? First fruits among his creatures. And among his creatures, they say would mean that among the rest of the harvest that's coming, which will be the Gentiles and everybody else, see? 
So that's another way to look at it. Let's go to verse 19. Now, he starts off, this you know. Well, if, if, if they knew it, why I talk to him about it? God always, always going to remind you of what you already know. Because we need to hear it again. We don't need to just uh, to uh, hear something one time and think we have it. We need to hear it over and over again. So please don't ever, you know, say, you know, well, I heard that message before. Give me something new, you know. No, you better walk in what you already know. And it takes some time over and over again. I know that I, 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 know that I keep reading, I keep reading, I keep reading. And then something I said, boy, where is that, you know. Minerva will tell me something sometimes. She'll say, you know, God said this right here. Where is that written at? You know? And I've read the Bible through, 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 and keep throwing it. But I don't, I don't get, see it all all the time. Do you see it all all the time? No. Sometimes the stuff comes out and says, my goodness gracious, that is good. I didn't notice that before. That's good, you know? We must not allow our circumstances all our internal desires to cause us a sin or to stop trusting God. James 19 tells us that but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And that word quick to hear it's not, it doesn't mean, you know, like, you know, the rabbit and the turtle. It means like being ready to hear, being prompt to hear, you know. That's why sometimes, like last week I think I prayed that uh, uh, God open our eyes that we may see spiritually, open our ears that we may hear spiritually, because we want to be swift to hear, meaning ready to hear, Prompt to hear. When you come to the church, when you, when you, uh, you, you, you're coming ready to hear the word of God. When you listen to a, a CD of, uh, TV program and it's the word of God, you, you come there prompt and ready to hear the word of God. You don't want to hear about everything that's going on on Fifth Street. You don't want to hear everything that's going on in the world. You want to hear the word of God. Cause that's, that's never going to pass. It's going to endure, you know. The world's going to change. Proverbs. Let's give you three verses in Proverbs. Swift, King James says, New American Standard, says quick to hear, slow to speak. Proverbs 17, verse 27 It says that he who restrains his words has knowledge. He who restrains his words has knowledge. Quick to hear, prompt, ready to hear, slow to speak, slow to speak, restrain your words. When you're prompt to hear, you don't want to talk. You don't want to talk. So when I'm when, when I'm uh, talking to my mentor, I just ask him questions. Hey, um, tell him about this right here. And I don't want to hear. I want to prompt him to start talking. And then when he's finished telling me that, I ask him another question. I want to hear. I want to hear. Very seldom, I can, I can count on one hand that I've told. Jerry Daly, what I feel without him asking me how I feel about anything. He's not interested in how I feel. Really, because, see, he didn't call me to, to ask me, would you meant to me? I called him to ask him what he meant to me. So I'm swift to what? Hear, slow to speak, because I want to hear what he's saying. Because it says he who restrains his words has knowledge. The only way you're going to get it is stop talking and start listening. 
when you're in the presence of somebody who knows more than you, stop talking and listen. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now, a cool spirit is talking about now your emotions. A person who gets all emotional all the time, you know, easily riled up, you know. They don't have much understanding, it says. Proverbs 18, turn over to 18, verse 2. It says, a fool does not delight in understanding. Oh. Why, why don't they delight in understanding? But only in revealing his own mind. So what Proverbs says is that a foolish person, they don't want to hear, they don't want to be proper and ready to hear because they're going to gain some understanding. They already think they know everything, so what they want to do is tell you what's on their mind. They want to reveal what's on their mind. Proverbs are great. I used to go through it every month. One per month. One per day. And then two, if it's, you know, like 30 days in a month, I go through two. I think we we'll never go through, through, through it every day. You, you have to have some wisdom. And I want wisdom. And that's what one thing that says in, in, in the beginning of Proverbs, that it'll give me wisdom. I need some wisdom. Proverbs 29. 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? Mm, what does hasty mean? Yeah, they're, 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 just, they're just ready to talk. Ready to talk. You know. There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs didn't, didn't I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> Proverbs, Solomon was, Solomon had a lot of wisdom. Solomon, he doesn't hold back anything. He, he seemed like he must have had a deep personality. He'll tell you just what it is. He tells you just like it is, brother, you know. He didn't have them. He, he probably didn't have much, you know, um, gift of exhortation, encouragement, you know. Proverbs, I mean, when you read it, it's not very encouraging, you know. It's a man, goodness gracious. Pray for me, Lord. Let's look at the rest of it. And slow to anger. Ooh, slow to anger. Anger is like fretfulness. It's like irritation. And uh, irritable, irritable person, uh, Webster says that uh, is very susceptible uh, of being impatient. And, and that impatience is, is like they are not long-suffering with people. And also, they get really upset sometimes when things displease them, and it leads to outbursts of rage sometimes. So you'll see that sometimes, and that's not good. That's not good. Now you say, why in the world did he put that in here? Because he should have put this over here when he, when he started talking about the tongue. You know, he needed to be a better, better person organizing his thoughts here. No, James knew exactly what he was talking about because he's, he's saying, look, look, let me tell you something. I, I, I haven't, I'm not a person who got ADD. Now, what I'm, what I'm doing is that I'm trying to hear, let you know that when you have these circumstances that come against you, over here in, in verse 1, count all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, and when you uh, uh, have the enemy comes at you and try to tempt you here, I don't want you to start talking and blaming God and start, start, you know, just a multitude of words. What I want you to do is be swift to hear and slow to speak. So you just, you, you know, you need to ask, you need to ask God, God, give me wisdom about this thing. You need to be swift to hear. And, and God will speak to other people for you. And you can be swift to hear what they're saying. And it'll cause you to be slow to anger because when you start understanding, oh, oh, okay, this is what this might be. Okay, I understand this right here. Okay. Okay, okay, God is, is trying to uh, uh, get my character to a high degree here, so he allows this uh, testing to go on. I, I, I'm going to count this uh, all joy because i got to endure this thing, and it's going to make me a better person. 
But I'm not going to allow Satan to tempt me to sin. I'm, I, I can't have lust in me and all this type of thing. So I got to pray and ask God to get this stuff out of me so the enemy won't have anything in me when he comes at me. I'm not going to get angry. I need the fruit of the Spirit. So therefore, when, when things don't please me, and that's what happens to a person that gets angry all the time, things don't please them. Things don't please them. And Jesus, see, Jesus is just the opposite. Jesus is, 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 when he walked this earth, he said, okay, look, what I want you to do is be long-suffering. Long-suffering. I'm going to show you how to do this. And so he was long-suffering. How many of you will, will, will take a Judas round with you for three years? You know? So he's long-suffering. Long-suffering. He's trying to teach us to be long-suffering. Surely it would, it, surely it would have irritated me when, when Judas, you know, talking, you know, uh, like he said, well, look, one of you that's lifting his hand, his, you know, this, this covenant, his hand is going to be against me. One of you going to, going to, you know, really, uh, just deny me. One of you going to, going to betray me. And Judas told me, oh, who is that? I wonder who it is. And I would say, you foolish you, you know? <laughs> you know, cause you, you, you get irritated out the while, don't you? When, when, when you're around somebody, when you're around somebody and they're talking all this, it's spiritual talk, you know, spiritual talk, and, and know that they're not spiritual, you know? Know that they're, they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. You get irritated with them, you know? But, see, Jesus is not like that. Jesus, Jesus he, he understood. He understood what's in man. So he's telling us, now that I'm going away, I'm going to give you another comforter. It's just like me. And now I want you, his fruit to be in you. And one of the fruit is long-suffering. So therefore, why are you getting irritated with people? Why, why do you get angry? The only reason why I get angry is I don't get things my way. People don't do what I think they need to be doing. Right? Selfishness. The more selfish I am, the more angry I can get. Really? I'm serious. So I have to practice, God, I don't want things my way. I want to be like you. I want to be long-suffering. I want to, you know, um, minister to other people. I want to serve other people. Because I know that the more I sow, the more I'm going to receive. So the reaper and I said, well, okay, I want to sow mercy. Ah, because I know the scripture that says that he who has not shown mercy is not going to receive mercy at judgment. I know I need mercy at judgment. And I know all of you need mercy at judgment. So therefore, why am I going to get angry at somebody and, and go off on them, say bad things to them because words hurt people? And, and knowing that Jesus doesn't do me like that. He didn't do Jesus like that. He didn't do, uh, uh, you know, the, the Peter like that. If it's you, God, bid me to come. Come on. He comes out. He starts sinking. Master, help, you know. Sink. Sink, you know. You know, you're always jumping out in petrol. Sink. You know. We would have probably let him sink. You know. At least, at least get a little water in his lung. <laughs> you know. So he won't be... You know, jumping out so quick, you know. But no, he didn't. He just put his hand out, lift him up. And he's so good. God's good, you know. He does us like that all the time, you know. Why then won't we? He'll then be swift to hear, so to speak, slow to anger. Verse 20. said, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Whoa. So that means that when I'm angry, um, I am not achieving the righteousness of God. Wow. Now, when you love God and, and you love his glory and his presence, you don't want to be angry. When you get angry, you want to say, God, forgive me, because the next step is going to be sin. And I don't use the verse uh, very often, 
be angry and sin not unless we're talking about um, something else. Because I know that if I get angry, the next step is going to be sinning. If I get irritated, if I don't hurry up and just cool that spirit down, then my spirit is going to lead to sin. Y'all might be better than I am. You know, y'all might get irritated and frustrated, you know, with people and stuff like that. And say, oh, it's okay, you know. Uh, that doesn't come out of my mouth usually when I'm irritated and frustrated. Usually I want my voice to elevate because I think that it shows strength, you know. And then quickly I had to say, oh, no, 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 you foolish man. You know, elevation of voice does not show strength. It shows weakness. I know that already. I know it doesn't show authority. It doesn't show authority. The only, only person I raise my voice at is a cat. Cat doesn't doesn't know how to have authority in the house. Cat thinks they have authority. They do what they want to do. You know. Get off the dining room table. You know. I told you nicely. Did you not hear me say get off the table? When I'm talking real nice like that, see they they the tail waggling. You know they think I'm. I mean, no, get off the table. When I say it like that, baby, pew, they go, you know. See, they understand that. But we can't do people like that, though, see. And we think we can do people like that, you see. And when you do people like that, it shows that you don't have authority. You don't have authority. Because you can tell a person that, look, uh, don't, don't stand on the table, son. You know, two-year-old, don't, don't, don't stand on the table. They get on the table again, son, did you hear me? Say, not stand on the table. Okay, don't get on the table. I won't show mercy to you. Don't don't sit on the table. Next time you look around, he's on the table again. And you take him and you spank him, and it hurts him. Oh, he starts crying. Okay, I love you. You embrace him. But I don't want you to stand on the table because we're not good stewards of God's gifts that you've given me. Okay, in that tone of voice, he knows you have authority. You know, he learns that that when when the parents say something, they mean it. Not, you know, they don't have to holler at them, you know. They don't have to raise their voice at them. Yeah. That's authority. If there's a person who comes in, the one who has authority in this church is the pastor of this church. And he can come, uh, pass along, Dale Long can come in that door. He's okay, everybody out. Everybody out. I'm just tired, everybody out, you know. Now, I can say, look, we're not going anywhere because it's more of us than it is of you. <laughs> that doesn't work. That's flesh, you see. And I said, well, I paid my rent, and the rent says that we had. He said, look, here's your you know, $1,200 back for this month. Out, you know. He has authority. And I says, okay. Hey, yep, let's go, you know, to, each other, to, to the homes, you know. Uh, go to the home group homes and whatnot, and that's where we're going to have church until we find another place. Then next week we'll be at another place. But he has authority. Okay. When we get out building, see, he can't come in and say, get out. He'll be in deep trouble. You see? <laughs> deep trouble there because it's not his house, you know? He doesn't have authority in there. Do you understand what I mean by authority? You see? Let's close with, um, verse in verse 20, um, Proverb, let's call it Proverb 19.19. A man of great anger shall bear the penalty, King James said the punishment, for if you rescue him or deliver him, the King James says, you will only have to do it again. If you have some anger that's unchecked, I would suggest that you get help to get rid of it. Because somebody can rescue you, but they're going to have to do it again and again and again. Because your anger is going to get you 
into trouble. And you're going to be punished for it because of where it says it. You know? You'll be punished for it. And we don't want that. A Christian not supposed to walk that way. A Christian is not supposed to walk in anger, easily stirred up. The least little thing, you know. They have a, a bad day. The man comes home and says, Hello, sweetheart. Don't sweetheart me. What did what, 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 I do? You didn't do nothing. You just showed up, you know. <laughs> wow, you know. That wouldn't be good. Nor the, nor the other way around. The husband come home. Or both of you come home. And both, <laughs> both of you been out of the workplace. Both of you, you know, irritated with one another, you know. My goodness gracious. And you start saying things to each other. It's unhealthy, you know. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to pray, God, help me. Help me. Let's stand. Now, I know this message was for only me. <laughs> but I think we all, you know, uh, get, get kind of irritated and frustrated sometimes. And, and we say things that we shouldn't say. The person that we sometimes don't hear it, uh, but God hears it. Little birds carry the information, you know. The king of kings find out what you're saying. And since we know we're going to be judged by every idle word, we really don't want to be saying anything out of our mouth but blessings and good things. Father, we are so grateful for your word, Lord. We're so grateful for a place that we can come, Lord. We're so grateful for the, the pastor and elders here at this church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, that will allow us to come and, and fellowship until our church is built, Lord. Our sanctuary, our place of worship, our meeting place is built where the church can meet. So we thank you and we praise you. Father, let this word penetrate into our hearts, Lord. We're asking you to break up the foul ground, Lord, if our heart is hardened to this area because it's a serious area. James says so. Father, we're asking that our spiritual eyes will be open, that we can, we can see what you're saying. Because we can see with our ears, Lord. We can hear it, and then we can see it spiritually with our, our inner eyes, Lord, our spiritual eyes, what the Word is saying. And we can say, Lord, help me to be just like you. Conform me more to your Word, Lord. I'm not where I should be, but, Lord, I want to be there. Help me, Lord. And you ask other people to help you also. If there's anyone here that hasn't given your life to Jesus Christ, well, we know that it's the word of God that regenerates. We know that it's used. We know that the Holy Spirit is used. We know that it takes God to open or take the veil off our eyes. If that's you today, and you say, I haven't given my life to Jesus Christ, but this day is a day of salvation. I don't want to wait because waiting might be too late. That you raise your hand and we'll pray for you right there. Anybody that haven't given your life to Jesus Christ that will desire, desire, desire to do so, raise your hand and put it back down and we'll pray for you. Anybody like that? Anybody who, and you say, well, you know, I've given my life to Jesus Christ, but, uh, you know, I would like to rededicate my life. I like to, you know, uh, walk in the things that, I should be walking in, which I know I'm not walking in. That's you today. Would you raise your hand and we'll pray for you. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Praise your name, Lord. If you're here today in James chapter 1, verse 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, it's for you. You say, you know, um, I'm not really in that in that way that I should be, uh, long-suffering like I should be, would you just pray for me? Would you just pray for me? Would you raise your hand and, and put it back down? Because anger is not good. It's not good. Okay, I, I see your hands. 
Anybody else? Can I see your hands? Okay. Father, you've seen the hands of the people who've gone up, Lord, for rededication, for them walking more like they should walk. Father, it's, it's, it's really our words. We get irritated with people, Lord. And it shows us, Lord, that we are not yet where we should be. We're asking you, Lord, this day, we're asking you to break up our fallow ground of our heart. We're asking you, Lord, to give us that spiritual understanding that we'll see spiritually, Lord, even though we're saying something in the natural, it's a spiritual thing. And it's opening doors, it's closing doors. We don't want to close doors that you have already preordained that they should be open to us, that whatever we speak will come to pass. Those things, Lord, we want open. We want to be like you when, we, when, when you said, peace be still, is still. When we say, uh, demon, you leave that, that, that person, they leave. We want to say, that person is be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. We want it to be done so, Lord. So we need to practice that whatever we say will come to pass. So we don't want to be practiced saying negative things because we are irritated, frustrated. We, we need to understand they're opening, they're opening doors to the enemy that he can get into our lives and not only to our lives, but our lives of our loved ones, into our marriages, into our relationships on a job. We want to close those doors. We want to keep the doors open, Father, for you to give us all those promises so we can be partakers of your divine, their divine nature, Lord. That's what we want, Lord. Father, those people that raise your hand, their hands today, this day, Lord, start that process in them, Lord, that the seeds that are sown in your word today will penetrate because you, you're breaking up the fallow ground even now, Lord. Their eyes of their understanding are being opened even now, Lord. Their spiritual ears, Lord, of hearing what, what the word has said today, Lord. And therefore, Lord, they're going to start realizing that I'm going to zip it up. I'm going to keep these lips closed. It's not going to be just anything coming out of here because I get irritated. When I get irritated, I'll go to my room. I'll go to the bathroom. I'll go to the closet. And I'm going to pray, God, help me. I don't want to say anything. Also, God, if I'm a source of irritation, help me not to be a source of irritation to somebody. Help me to be at peace, Lord, at whatever state I'm in, because that's truly peace, Lord. Because I know that you will change my place, Lord. I don't want to irritate them and just stir up somebody that I know they are struggling with anger, but I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to just uh, irritate them more. When they tell me they don't want to talk, I'm, I'm going to keep badgering until they do talk. And then when they say something they shouldn't say, I'm going to cry. No, God, I'm not going to stir people up. I'm not going to stir people up. We thank you for today, Lord. Let it be in the name of Jesus Christ.